Hi, I'm Toby. And I'm Nick. And welcome to the Pure Property Podcast with Track Capital, where we talk about all things property and property investment. The aim of the podcast is to give you our industry insight and knowledge to help investors to invest intelligently. This week, we are back in our normal domains. I'm back in, which today is actually sunny England for once. And it looks very nice. Yeah, it's not too bad, actually. For once, the sun's actually getting in my in my eyes on my screen, which is unusual. <laughs> <laughs> and then, we're yeah, Nick's back in sunny, warm, nice Dubai with that lovely backdrop. That always makes me very, very jealous. Um, how has it been being back, Nick? Yeah, good. Back in the back in the routine of things. Busy as always. No, uh, no room for um, for resting. Uh, but what I would say is just just reflecting very quickly on on Hong Kong. It was really, um, I think we both agreed, really really positive trip. The, the appetite from from that region investing into the UK market is exceptionally high. You know, we were having some really good quality meetings with people over the two, three days that we were there. Um, and then at the end, probably some stage, you know, quarter two, sorry, quarter three, quarter four this year, uh, we're looking to get back out there and do some more uh, educational content, run a seminar, um, bring over a developer probably as well. So, yeah, really excited about what's happening in that region. And I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll agree. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait for that. It's exciting times ahead and looking forward to get back out there. I really did enjoy our, our time there. Right, so this week's episode, we're going to be giving you a UK property market update following the latest release of the house price index report from HomeTrack. Um, HomeTrack, if you don't know, is a company that's part of the Zoopla Property Group. They use some very, very extensive data. They pull a lot of data in to, to give these uh, figures uh, and sort of outlooks that we're going to be talking about today. So it's it's very, very good. Um, we definitely take note of this on a regular basis. They also do a quarterly rental market report and we see it as an integral part of ourselves to be able to have a look at what the market's doing and potentially how it's going to move going forward. Uh, not to say that we, we don't um, sort of make our own mind up we don't just sort of follow what what they're sort of saying or what they're indicating or what they're thinking we we take the data take their um sort of stats and then we interpret it into how we see the market and what we think is going to happen alongside other outlets that we use for data and uh, yeah sort of predictions and forecasts that we come up to so we'll go straight into it um quite quite overall just um a fairly sort of standard uh, and positive um, to some degree, report uh, compared to what some people may have been anticipating following some of the doom and gloom that we always say that you see in the media and you shouldn't read too much into. So, uh, but we'll go straight into it and we will uh, we will put a link to this report in the show notes as well. Um, so yeah, wherever you find this podcast or if you're watching the video, we'll, we'll be uploading the link so you can view this actual report and, and go over the data that we will be discussing. So I'll go straight into it. The The first points that we'll touch on is regarding the supply. So one notable factor that we're seeing in the market, and sorry, just before I go on, this is an average, by the way, all the, all the figures that we'll be talking about is the UK average. So it's not specific for a location. Um, and yeah, that's what we do do when we're looking at certain locations with investors. But as a UK average, supply is actually up 60% compared to last year. So there is more choice out there for buyers. And um, that's obviously mainly focusing on the secondary market. And 
what this is doing is with the increase of supply, we're seeing the price growth slow down, which would naturally happen because obviously we had really aggressive price growth during the pandemic because supply was restricted and demand was so high. And now we're seeing some uh, more um, supply into the market. That's um, now obviously going to slow slow down the, the price growth there. So uh, demand for homes in February um, is actually up compared to pre-pandemic levels, um, but down compared to the, the peaks that we saw um, during the pandemic. So what some people will maybe take account of is that uh, the, the sort of demand is, is down compared to last year. Um, but you have to take that into context because for the past few years, um, say between 2020 and 20, the most of 2022, we were experiencing a very aggressive unseen market for, for that was caused by the pandemic. So what we're now doing when we're getting this new data out is we're actually comparing it to pre-pandemic levels, which is a more normal market. And that's one thing you'll hear Nick and myself talking about on a regular basis um, is that we're seeing a transition back to a more, more normal market, which we like more normal, more stable. It's easier to navigate. So yeah, that's the one thing I did want to highlight is that although demand is down compared to the peaks of the pandemic, it's actually up 8% in comparison to the pre-pandemic years, which is positive to see. So yes, supply is up, um, which is obviously causing a bit of a slowdown, which isn't that bad. Um, and demand is also up as well compared to pre-pandemic levels, which is good. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, just to echo what you thought, uh, what you mentioned there, it's, uh, it's a healthy cycle that, that you're seeing there. So, you know, what, I picked up on is, is just that figure of 60%. So 60% more supply in the marketplace. That's a huge amount. Mm. Um, and that is positive in some sense. And the reason I say that is because effectively that people are putting stuff on the market so they're confident that they can get the price that they want, right? If they thought they were going to sell it at undervalue or the market was too you know, volatile to list it, you know, it means that they just simply wouldn't put it on the market. So that supply coming to market is actually a show you know, strength in the market because owners are, you know, expecting to get the prices that they that they want. So overall, yeah, really positive. And again, COVID conditions um, were, you know, were very unique and, and not really a, a routine market. So we don't want to read into that too much. But um, yeah, look, as you said, Toby, comparing to pre-pandemic, e.g. 2017 to 2019, um, seeing that, um, you know, slightly ahead of the, the pre-pandemic years is, is good news. Yeah, and another positive thing to take is we are seeing uh, demand, uh, not demand, sorry, sales agreed. So this is where a property goes on the market and the buyer and the seller come to agreement on the purchase of that property and the sale of that property. We're actually seeing sales agreed um, compared to pre-pandemic levels up in more affordable levels. Now, London does kind of buck the trend there, um, but that has been underperforming for, for quite some time. Um, London's had a 4% increase compared to pre-pandemic levels, but we had a real stagnated market there for some time. So yeah, that, that kind of distorts that data slightly. However, in the affordable markets and regions and locations of the UK, we are seeing sales agreed 
being up which is good. So like the Northeast is up 30%, for example, Yorkshire and Humber up uh, 2%, Northwest up 2% as well. So that's quite positive to see that we're seeing sales agreed up. And this is an, this is another thing that we're speaking about a lot is m- more affordable locations and markets. We are anticipating to still perform quite well because they are more f- affordable. So they're not as impacted by what's going on. But I just wanted to highlight that um, to say that activity levels in more affordable markets are um, doing well and higher than pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, and that was something we we meant just to jump in there, mate. That was something that we mentioned in, um, I think, a few of our meetings and, and maybe in our uh, podcast uh, in Hong Kong about the secondary market cities and how they're starting to excel. And I think that there is a real example of hard evidence of the demand shifting. Now, in the past five to 10 years, you, you saw the first phase was people moving up to Birmingham. Then they went up to Manchester, Liverpool. And now, in my opinion, you're starting to see investors have more confidence in the what I would call the secondary market city. So, um, I mean, the, the higher caliber there would be Leeds, Sheffield, but Bradford, Preston, places like this where we're getting investors go and plow into their markets and put money into those markets because they know they can get a good quality buy-to-let product at an affordable price with a good rental yield with strong capital growth appreciation. And that demand that you're seeing there, the sales volumes increasing by 30% in the northwest, sorry, in the northeast, is you know why people are doing it because that's only going to impact values and, and put upwards pressure on them. So yeah, that's a really good market trend and a piece of data there to, to take away, I think. Yeah, exactly. Now, moving on to um, something else that the report discusses, that is asking prices. So the report highlights that asking price, um, uh, so the asking price to achieved price, has uh, the, the gap has actually widened to the largest in five years. So what this means is basically you're seeing price reduction, so discounts on property. Now, again, I want to put this in a bit of context because people can look at that and think, oh my God, it's the market's crashing, you know, prices are being slashed, et cetera, et cetera. But what what I'm understanding, what I'm seeing on the ground is that what this is, it's just vendors having to be brought back to reality because what's happened is they've had two years of um, such a buoyant market with um, excellent results when they're listing their properties that they've always been able to push the boundary, push the boundary and push the boundary when it comes to the prices. So I always use the example is when we were in the peak of the market, um, if one whole house sold, let's say for 200,000, their neighbor, if they decided to sell the property, would go on and think, well, I'll try 220,000. And then they would sell for 220,000 because there was there was such high demand and limited stock and the market was so busy. Then if their neighbor did the same, they might think, well, actually, I'll try 240,000. Um, and they would probably achieve that. So we, we saw that happening um, a lot. What's happening now is sellers are having to come to terms with the fact that they can't overpriced or overshoot the market when it comes to pricing their property anymore they have to be realistic because because people and buyers are being more cautious when they are purchasing a property so they're not just paying over the odds just to secure it i mean in some locations that 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 is still happening but in most it's not so what we're seeing is vendors having to reduce their price to to fit the market conditions and it's not drastically the average discount across the uk is about four and a half percent 
which if you look at that in financial terms, it's just over £14,000. So it's not a massive, massive drop. And if we look that look at that in context to what the growth was during the pandemic, um, the average house uh, price growth was uh, £42,000. So there, if you look at it in that term, only a third is being knocked off there, which isn't a lot. So that's what I wanted to just say on that thing. Um, and you just have to remember that, yeah, vendors are just being having to be more realistic. I don't think this is something to look at too drastically. And I think that is going to start to settle once vendors realize what the market conditions are. You always have this adjustment phase when you come out of a real boom period um, and the, the market starts to settle. You have a bit of an adjustment phase where, where sellers have to adjust to how buyers are now acting in the market and it will shift slightly. But to give you an example, there's not... Um, an exact sort of science or format of how this is working in every location. There's a, an estate agent that I know in Surrey, which is where uh, prices are quite high. They've grown over some time and um, yeah, that's been quite a mature market for a while now. They'll list the property um, and it might sell for the asking or maybe slightly under, but then tomorrow um they might list the property and it goes for over the asking that they really can't tell what's going on that the agent that i know actually gave me an example where on the same road they listed two houses one house they had a, a queue of buyers out the door and it went for over the asking price and the other it's a bit slower and they're having to negotiate on the price slightly so it's really hard to see how that's going to take in the long run but i think we will start to see the market set uh, settle a bit on on that side and you have to remember we've had 10 years worth of growth in about a two-year time span so there is going to be some adjustments going on while the market settles yeah and i think um the other thing you have to put into context is that um figure of the 4.5 percent or just over the 14k um average discount is looking at five years worth of data or three of those years were, were the pandemic so that you know rules mm. that out instantly and then you obviously have the two years to, to look at as well but the other thing i'd mention on this is I don't, I don't think asking prices are always the best um, form of measurement into, into, you know, reality, basically. So Toby used the phrase, you know, vendors are, are being, you know, a bit more realistic or they're having to be a bit more realistic. But even when you're doing your research and you're looking at asking prices, say on like Brightmove and Zoopla, whether you're a tenant or you're, a, you know, an investor or an owner-occupier, you know, you want to look at the sold prices because that's the real, you know, hard data of what's happening, what people are committing on not the asking prices because we all know people put stock on the market for a bit more and then you go through the natural process of you know haggling down and, and negotiating so it's that final figure in my opinion which is more important to look at but you know i suppose it's a fair guide or a rough indication of you know vendors are you know dropping their, their prices ever so slightly to, to match the demand in the marketplace yeah true true very well said another um bit of data that they note and speak about is the slight hit to buying power caused by well a number of factors obviously mortgage rates rising the cost of living crisis inflation in general and what uh, the home track report notes is that they are seeing a soft reset in house prices underway um a, a bit to do with what we spoke about um, a moment ago uh, just with vendors becoming more realistic and this is just where the market is shifting slightly away from being a seller's market so literally where sellers can get away with whatever they want that they get the prices they ask for like we said they push the boundaries up and up and up to more of a buyer's market where buyers can come in and sort of 
dictate slightly where the price um, will land. Um, and you have to remember a property will sell for wh whatever the market's willing to pay and what the market's going to at the moment is a more realistic uh, price point. So that, that shift is down to the mortgage rates, as I mentioned, cost of living crisis and inflation. But we are starting to see that steady out. So mortgage rates are coming down. So they're down from their previous 6% high at the, the sort of end of last year. So they're settling around four up to 5%. Um, and based on 4%, what the report shows is that buyers have around 20% less buying power. So home track aren't anticipating this trend will continue further. Um, and this will be reflected in the, the sale agreed sales agreed prices that we'll see sort of continue to demonstrate how that's sort of playing out and and how what that, what that's factoring. But they do think by the summer that annual price inflation will will come down and be sitting around the normal two to three percent sort of due to this. So what what they're pretty much saying on that basis is well look where buyers are being more stretched. We, we're seeing sort of the market come down to, to normal levels um, and in terms of normal levels, hence why they're anticipating sort of two to three percent, that is a, a sort of a normal market. So that's house price, house price growth to be sitting annually around two to three percent, which is normal, uh, a good and nice stable market. Now, what they are indicating is that there is still above average price growth in the more affordable regions and locations, uh, namely next to larger employment centres. So they use Oldham, Dudley, Wolverhampton as, as examples where price inflation still remains over 8%. So again, coming back to our previous point about affordable locations, this is where we want to be, want to be looking at. Now, as the mortgage rates um, settle and it becomes more stable, I think the market will become a more confident place. And lastly, one positive, very positive thing to note is there still is no um, negative price growth. So any price falls in any postcode at this stage. So that's still a very, very positive sign considering what the economy, what the country has been going through, what we had at the, the sort of end of last year. That is still very positive to see. Yeah, um, I think what we the other thing we want to do with these um, uh, market reports is to look at and consider how we could use this as a um, piece of data or metric to make you know investment decisions. So a couple of things that I'd pick up on there again, kind of a long theme that we've reiterated, but it's just Toby's just given um, evidence to support that. So number one, um, the buyers, um, the average home buyer is 20% less buying power. Now, if we're just looking at, you know, people that are looking for themselves and for investors as well, well, that supports the demand going into the affordable areas for the for the northwest, for the northeast regions. Now, as an investor, you've got to look and see, often it is quite good to follow where the demand from investors is going. The reason being is because when more people buy in obviously a specific location, the prices rise, right? Now we have actually seen that in real time. So we had a development not too long ago, launched in Sheffield, um, you know, mid, mid to higher end of the of the Sheffield market, and in a very quick time frame. I mean, don't quote me on the exact figure, but you're talking weeks. Uh, Eighty percent, eight zero percent of the development was sold. Now this is not a um, you know, it's not a cheap site. It's not a you know rundown. It's a, a new build, premium launch. So that goes to show you the demand from UK investors and overseas investors looking into these. Um, more affordable marketplaces. 
Um, and that 20% less buying power figure may be what's causing people to, to look there for one. And secondly, on the, one of the, the last points when Toby mentioned those places like uh, Oldham and uh, Wolverhampton, again, we're going back to investment fundamentals. So buying in and around big employment hubs. So that's one of the key things that you want to look for. You know, where are the corporate bases? Where are the employers? And that tells me that people are looking at commuter belt locations. So Oldham into Manchester, Wolverhampton into Birmingham. So again, you're seeing how people are edging out. Again, investor demand is edging out from the city centres and going into these pockets or these cities or these you know towns in some cases where they get more for their money, but they're still seeing you know large um, large buyer demand. Um, and yeah, just lastly on that figure of you know eight percent, that's obviously exceptionally attractive. Even in a buoyant market, the best places in the country are sitting at 10, 11% annual property growth a year. So you're not far off that. And if you get a stable 7, 8% capital growth rate in a market like the UK, which is incredibly mature, robust, transparent legal system and considered one of the most safest in the world, then you're doing, you know, you're doing well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and again, this, is, this report just looks at the average even when we look at sort of city locations that people may sort of first overlook because of some of this data or, or outlook in the report, um, you, you need to look at it more deeply because some of these cities, as we always say, a lot of people have the first impression that they're unaffordable, you know, prices have already risen. But when you dig down into the affordability levels, they can still be performing very well. And I mentioned the examples of like Manchester and Liverpool, for example, and Nick just mentioned Sheffield as well. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something and that's what you need to look at. And that's why we're, we're here to sort of give you some more insight to that. Now, the overall outlook and conclusion that I take away from, from this report is... Firstly, that the market is holding up a lot better than many thought. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you would have seen a lot of doom and gloom in, in the media previously, especially at the back end of last year. A lot of people may be sort of regurgitating that and saying the property market was in a crash and it's in a really bad condition. Well, when you look at the data being provided here and all the positivities that you can take from it and how the market is stabilizing at this moment in time and coming back to a norm, that is really, really positive to see and just shows the strength and resilience of the UK property market and hence why it's such a trusted and well-tested market that overseas buyers love especially. I think also we take away from this that higher mortgage rates haven't had as bad an impact that people initially thought. That was one thing that people thought was going to collapse the market. But going back to the mortgage situation, what I think a lot of people didn't anticipate was one, that people have then sort of clawed back and rather than go, I'm not going to buy, they're buying more within their means. So maybe they're looking at locations that are slightly cheaper. So it's more affordable. Maybe they're buying a smaller property initially. Um, well, that they are buying smaller properties initially is, is what the what we're seeing out there. Um, and also people are, are able to then up their repayments on a monthly basis because you have to remember is people like to live comfortably but if they can afford more more mortgage repayments then they will continue to buy at the level they first anticipated and what we're also seeing is buyers are just putting more equity in so rather than only doing a 10% deposit maybe or a 15% deposit um there are a number of buyers out there that have access to more equity and they're putting more money in properties so i think that hasn't been as bad um, and that's good one thing that's also good is with the, the mortgage market settling and coming down to around sort of four to five percent, 
we will see more competitive deals and rates coming from a lot more lenders now because as the market settles um, and as um, sort of demand subdues slightly, lenders are now going to be trying to win as much business as as possible. So there will be more competitive deals out there, which is positive, which will help the market. And I think it's also evident that we are going into a more stable and normal market. So we're going to a pre-pandemic market, which um, is, as I said, for me, uh, more positive because it's more stable and easier to navigate. So, you know, it's settled. You're not worrying about overinflated prices and how crazy the market's being. It's stable. It's good. And when you're looking to invest medium to long term, that's what we like to see, a nice, stable market. Also, looking at affordable locations. So follow the data, follow the investment fundamentals that we always talk about and look at these affordable areas because it's clear to see that there is still good longevity in them in terms of better capital growth because there's more room for them to grow. And that's both on the capital growth house price side and also the rental price growth as well. And that's something we've spoke about many a time previously in very recent podcasts. Um, and it's just clear to see that that is becoming more and more evident. And lastly, more positive news in the market, but which we do have to take a, a pinch of salt because it's only one month's uh, sort of worth of data report is the latest Halifax house price index as well. So Halifax being a lender, they do their own reports. They have noted a 1.1% house price increase month for month, which took a lot of people by shock. Um, a lot of people were anticipating that to show a slight decline. Um, and they're still showing annual house price growth from their point of view at 2.1%. Now, you have to, as I said, that is Halifax. Their data is a bit more limited. So you just have to take that into context and then put your own perception on it. But again, that is very encouraging to see. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at those um, four or five points that, that Toby mentioned there, again, we want to look at how we can benefit from that and you know what, what's likely to happen in, in the future years. So I think one of the things or that a lot of people will, will hear a bit of a cliche thing is that people make money when it's in a you know, a negative market, or dare I use the word recession, um, that's when the smart money comes out, that's when it's deployed, when assets are at lower values, and they're able to be, you know, snapped up, you'll see a lot of big funds and institutions making acquisitions in the hope that they're getting in at that discounted price to see the value rises in the future. So uh, I've got to tell you, in my opinion, when you look at what's happened in the past, you know, 12 months or whatever, in terms of the negativity and the general, the general sentiment in the UK market, you know, it has been quite negative. So obviously interest rates, um, the, the, the fluctuation of the pound, uh, the general value sort of changes, uh, the cost of living, all, all these things have painted a picture, uh, which has caused, you know, various factors. And ultimately that slight uh, decrease in, in values on average or um, finalized prices. So you've got to ask yourself, do you think this is likely to get significantly worse in the next, you know, one, two, three, four, five years? Or do you think, like I think, that you might see the rest of, you know, you might see the next 12, 18, 24 months where we continue to recover and then we come out into a more positive and a more buoyant marketplace? Because that is what I do think will happen. So you've got to ask yourself, is it a good time to deploy your capital? Because despite what the media says, a lot of people in the UK, they're sitting on money, right? They've got a contingency, you know, they might be a bit scared. They don't want to deploy the capital. They want to make sure they've got enough for a rainy day, so to speak. 
But if you're in the position to do so, now is a, is a cracking time to invest. And again, we do say this quite frequently, but one of the highlights there was for me looking at the North, Northeast region. We'll go through the, the numbers in a second, but you know, looking at these places, which are still, in my opinion, under, undervalued, can you deploy money there? Can you put in 30, 40 grand into a buy to let into the Northeast region uh, or Yorkshire region, for example, and benefit from, from good capital appreciation? Uh, I think that's worth strong, strong consideration. Uh, one bit of information I will give um, will be one of the companies that I love to look at is Savills. You know, it's a household brand, one of the oldest agencies in the world, tens of thousands of tens of thousands of uh, employees worldwide. Um, and they've got obviously big research teams that look into this and they're forecasting, you know, pretty um, uh, stable 2023. And then they're forecasting, you know, 2.5%, 4.5% in the coming years to go. And then bang, you go into 26, 27, 7 um, 7.5% upwards from there on average in terms of the growth rate. So, yeah, you've got to ask, you've got to think to yourself, how can you use the data that we're presenting you today to make an informed investment decision? One of the ways I would do that is look into the numbers, see what locations and areas are still performing well in this current market, because it's unlikely that it will get drastically worse. So if you can go into them now, see the performance over the next two to four years, then you should be in a really, really strong position indeed. So do keep that on board. Um, now, looking at regional growth, I'll let you go through the cities uh, individually, Toby, but I'll, I'll look at the regions to start with. So firstly, kicking off with, with London, you know, especially with overseas buyers, the first place that a lot of people look at because they know they're familiar, you know, they might be a bit more risk averse, they, they look at London. So London is currently seeing 2.5% growth, uh, according to the, uh, the regional house price index from Home track. Um, so this was published in, in February 23. Um, and then you can go to the Midlands. So West Mids, 6.6% uh, positive growth, uh, which is obviously really good. East Mids, very similar picture, 6.5%. And so you've already gone from the Southeast region looking at 6.5 up to, sorry, looking at 2.5 up to 6.5 across the, uh, the Midlands. Then you've got the Northwest, uh, which used to be really the um, uh, the, the gold standard of investing, um, which is 6.3% on average. And remember, this is a, an average across the region. So your Liverpool's, Manchester's will probably be doing slightly better than that. Then you go over to the, the northeast of the country, 5%, Yorkshire and Humber, 6%. Um, and yeah, all, all positive figures there as, as well. So yeah, maybe Toby, if you want to look at the, some individual cities and maybe give a few uh, pointers to where people might be looking. Yeah, so normal culprits actually sitting um, at the sort of top end of the table. So we have Nottingham sitting at number one. Uh, annual year-on-year -year growth is currently sitting at 7.8%. Still very strong, strong numbers there. Manchester, second place, 6.9%. Uh, Liverpool, third place, 6.5%. Um, Birmingham, uh, just, uh, just behind as well. Uh, da -da and I'm just looking here. Yeah, Birmingham, Leicester, and Leeds as well. So you've got some really, really um, strong numbers there from some of these top cities. And again, when we look at the average prices, which uh, Nick um, has mentioned as well in terms previously in other podcasts, this is what we want to look at, look at as a comparison. So you've got the average pricing Nottingham um, sitting around two hundred and just over two hundred one thousand pounds. 
Manchester, £220,000. Liverpool, just around £155,000. So Liverpool, straight away, highlights to me a very undervalued market in comparison to what it's offering as a city in the region that's going on. And you compare that to the the likes of other cities, um, such as Bournemouth, £345,000 and and still achieving 5% year-on-year growth, according to these data. data. Um, So when you look at that, this is where we're seeing the, when we talk about affordability, um, so, so Manchester in our eyes has still got that room for growth when you compare it to, to other cities around the country, um, even the likes of, I mean, I know it's not a direct comparison, but look at London, for example, at five, just over £524,000, the average price there. So we can still see room for growth there. So yeah, a lot of the top players there, as I said, you've got Nottingham, Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham, uh, Leicester. Leeds, Sheffield, all sitting there in, in top um, locations for uh, property house price growth, which is really, really good to see. Now, just lastly, I think the, the one thing that a lot of, well, I say a lot of, some buyers are, are talking about at the moment, like, oh, you know, I'm waiting to see, I'm waiting to see the property prices drop, so I'm going to buy them. Looking at this data and everything we're seeing at the moment, uh, as Nick said, it, it's not going to get that bad um and if you're waiting for the drop i think you're going to be missing out on opportunities because you have that and one thing you'll learn the hard way is every time you wait for this price um drop you miss out on price growth usually and also if the market is even if it is dropping by the time it gets to the bottom of the market it's usually too late before you realize and it starts shooting back up anyway and then you're in a worse position the way i'm looking at this market at the moment is it's settling it's becoming stable which is good and i do think as nick touched on a moment ago there is an opportunity here because i would be looking at this and seeing the market stabilize if you can right if i buy now I'm buying at a time before more confidence comes back into the market because as soon as that confidence come back comes back into the market i do think we're going to have a a nice little uplift in, in in growth and and the market just in general because confidence come back um, more people come in so there's more demand there and then it becomes more competitive for for buying properties and prices n- naturally reflect that and you can't it makes it harder to capitalize on opportunities as well so i would be trying to secure what well, this year i am i'm just um, waiting for some funds to come in from a remortgage um, and i'm going to be looking to sort of deploy that capital as soon as i can because i, w- I want to get now um get a property now secure it because i think over the next two to five years as the market becomes more more comfortable and more confidence comes back in we will see it um sort of start to creep up even more and i want to sort of capitalize on that on that capital growth in the meantime yeah i can only echo that i've got, I've got the same plans for the for the back end of this year and you know without going on too much and giving you guys a life story we've been in and out of the property market or i've been in and out of the property market now for nearly a decade been following this home track report since 2014 and um, we've seen the cycles we've seen the prices we see how the owner occupier and the end user market reacts we've seen how developers change their pricing structures you know we've seen the likes of brexit covid all that fun stuff as well um, and in my opinion, you know, people waiting for the bottom of the bottom of the market, people waiting for the market to soften, you're in it, you're, you're there now. So in my opinion, it's a great time to take action, um, you know, and, and benefit from the growth. Yes, over three, five, 10 years, but also, you know, you can get in now, we've given you the data that, you know, just over 14 grand um, discounts are on offer effectively. Um, so you can get in now, I, I'm, I'm pretty positive within, you know, 18 to 24 months, you should see 
you know, a good return and some much more, you know, uh, positive, um, <coughs> excuse me, positive reports coming out of the UK uh, property market. So keep it in mind, guys. Uh, again, this is not our opinion. You've got to use it and make an informed investment decision based on various points of research, data, due diligence. Look at the big companies out there, the independent, you know, agencies, the risk qualified, you know, research consultancies, the portals, right move Zoopla, such as the home chat report, speak to agents on the ground. Um, and then, yeah, you should be able to form a, a really good picture and, and get an idea. But for that, for me now, is it is a great, great time to buy in the UK. And believe it or not, you know, when you compare that to the Dubai market, where it's exceptionally hot, it's exceptionally busy, values are going through the roof. We're encouraging a lot more people to buy off plan because you can still get a discount there. You're not buying an overinflated secondary value, secondary market value price. So it's not all the case. It's not always the case that we're saying. You know, buy now in every market. But for me, the UK right now is where I'd be putting my money, where I am. Agreed. Great. So I hope that's been helpful and insightful. As I said, uh, we'll, we'll put the link to this report in the show notes and, and wherever you find this um, this podcast episode. So feel free to check it out yourself. If you have any questions on the report, want to discuss anything, let us know. If you want any advice on where best to invest for yourself personally at this moment in time, depending on your strategy and your circumstances, again, please get in touch with us. You can reach us at info at trackcapital.co.uk and one of the team will be happy to help. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.